Thank you. Yes, what a great testimony. I wanted you to see how God is working amongst our people. I wanted you to see how he is applying the truths of God's word into the lives, their own life and the life of their children. My mom actually used to write notes on my napkins when I went to school. She would not do the cool pictures, but she did the napkins. And at one point in my life, I think when I got into high school, um, she put some money in there <laughs> to see if I was actually reading the notes. Did you get anything from school today? You know, you missed the first couple, and then you uh, realize that you got to look and see if there's any surprises in there. But uh, it's great. Great, thank you. So we are in the series on the great I am. We're looking at the seven I am statements of Christ. And the purpose of this series is really to reveal who Christ is, to illuminate the greatness of our God and the beauty of his story of redemption. Why? so that we desire the ways of God more and more. God cultivates our heart to want to obey, to want to fulfill what he wants us to do. It is really truly by knowing Christ and knowing who he is and knowing him intimately as our Savior that we can really truly have a love and cultivate a desire for God in our hearts. Last week, we saw Jesus as the light of the world. He's declaring that he is that light as Christ illuminates the path of righteousness as well as we see our sin for what it truly is and yearn to follow Christ in the light and no longer in darkness. And this morning, we are reminded of the great truth that God loves us, that he cares for us the gentle and loving shepherd who cares for his creation. He is the good shepherd that lays down his life for us. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, it's only when we understand and know this good shepherd and the greatness of his love for us that we will find rest as sheep in his fold. My prayer for you this morning is that God would help you to find rest knowing that this great God cares for you, that he loves you. And that he's willing to lay down his life for you. So turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. We'll start there. It's on page 896 in the Pew Bible in front of you. If you do not have one, we're going to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. That is uh, part of what we do here at Northwest is stand and read the scriptures together as one in honor that this is the holy word of God, the true and right word, infallible word. John 10, 10. The thief only, he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming 
and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you have laid down your life for us. We ask this morning that you would comfort us, that you would reveal to us what you want to speak according to your scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I was uh, three or four years old, my family actually lived in uh, New York City, by the way. And uh, one weekend, we went with a friend of ours to what they would call the Hamptons. In New York City, people live in cubicles. They, they live in really small places because there's no room in the city. There's a ton of people. And so they actually live in like one-bedroom apartments and they go to, on the weekends, no one stays in the city. They go to a place called the Hamptons, some people go. It's the beach. And we went to this beautiful house that these, these friends of ours owned. My, my parents' friends, Scott and Diane. They had a really nice pool in the backyard. And, and as a three or four-year-old, I'm looking at the pool going, wow, that's really neat. And they had an inflatable crocodile in the middle of the pool And as a curious young boy, of course I'm drawn to this crocodile. They actually named the crocodile. They named the crocodile Jacques the Croc, right? And I looked at that croc and I said to myself, you know what? I want that. It looks fun. And now, you know what? I'm going to just go for it. And so I jumped in after the crocodile. The only problem is I was three or four years old and I could not swim. Not a really big deal if you land on the float, but you guys know these things. You've jumped on a raft before. It slips out underneath you, right? And you are in the water as a three or four-year-old. I'm in the water and I'm sinking. I'm drowning. I'm going down. I began to panic, screaming, yelling for help helplessly. And as I'm going down the water, Scott, the friend of ours who owned the place, heard my cry. And he jumped in the pool. He didn't jump in and take off his clothes and then jump in or take off his shirt or say, oh, I need to take my shoes off. No, he jumped in. If he had a cell phone at the time, he would have probably had to use the rice treatment, right, to try and, try and dry it out because he jumped in with everything on and reality was is that he saved me. He saved me from death. He saved me from drowning. And it's the same thing of what Jesus did, did for us. He saved us from death, from destruction in hell. He saved us. Even though we chose to go after the floaty things of this world, right? The floats of this world, these things that look good to the eye, we jump in and God cared enough to lay down his life, even if we were sheep that went our own way. What if Scott had not been there when I needed him? 
What if he wasn't paying attention or just said, I've got, I've got better things to do than watch this four-year-old boy? What if he said, I really don't want to get my clothes all wet? I really don't want to come down into the cold water? What if he wasn't there? Now, what if he said, what if I had said, you know what? I know you saved me, Scott. I, I know you got all these clothes wet. I know I was about to drown. I, your socks, your shoes, your belt, everything. But what if you, I just said, I don't really care what you just did. I'm going to do it again anyway. Time and time again, I just jump in, not really caring. Christ gave up his life for me. No way. You see, when we see the love of the shepherd, when we see the love of Christ and what he did for us in laying down his life for us, all we can do is respond and follow him because we know how much he loves us. Amen? Not a really raucous crowd today. We, we kind of can get a little bit loosened up here. It's okay. Amen. We got her. She's here today. That's, that's good. I love her. She's a good one. But Jesus is the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep, and the sheep follow him because why? They know him. Last week, we ended John chapter 9 with a man born blind. Jesus heals that man, he says to the man, I am the light of the world. And he spits on the ground, he makes some mud, he puts it on this man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man does what Jesus says and he sees. Now we have to understand what's going on. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time can't really figure out what's going on. And so they, they don't believe the man. They call his parents in and they say, what happened to this young man? He's claiming that he was blind and now sees. His parents say, yeah, that's true. And they say, well, how did this happen? They say, well, why don't you talk to him? He's a grown man. So they question the man again. He says that I was blind and now I see. You want me to tell you again how it was Jesus healed me? The religious leaders don't know what's going on. And, and this blind man who was blind and now he sees Jesus has healed him. He says to the religious leaders, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. How can you not see that this man is from God? The Pharisees are furious. Saying, how can this... Man who was born blind be teaching us, and they cast him out. At the end of chapter 9, and Jesus says to the Pharisees at the end of chapter 9, verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And see, that, that's important for us to understand as we lead into chapter 9. When we're talking about the good shepherd, you see, because the Pharisees were actually the shepherds over Israel at this time. But they weren't the good shepherds. And so we get to verse 
10 of chapter 10, and it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares. Nothing for the sheep. This is our first point this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. Capital L-O-R-D, Lord, is my shepherd. I shall not want. You guys have heard of Psalm 23, the Psalm of David. God, Yahweh himself, the great I am, is the shepherd. The Lord, capital L capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, God himself, he is calling God the shepherd. God is, himself is the one who makes me lie down in green pastures. He is the one who leads me beside still waters. God himself, I am, the great I am, is the one who restores my soul. So when Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd, he is declaring himself as God. He is the God who cares for his people. And guess what? He's declaring this in front of the fact of the false shepherds or the not good shepherds of the Pharisees because this is an exact reference to Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34 talks about the shepherds of Israel who have not done their job correctly. Ezekiel 34 One, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wander all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. These were the leaders, the religious leaders of Israel failing to shepherd the sheep. And God is saying, to these Pharisees, what he said in Ezekiel 34 to the shepherds at the time, you have failed to speak the word of God to my people. You have failed to feed them because you've been more concerned about yourself and than taking care of God's people. This is a travesty. 
When God places someone in the role of shepherding, it is a huge task, a major responsibility. And those are shepherds or pastors, which we would call them today, have a major task that should not be taken lightly. But look at what God says in response. If we continue reading in Ezekiel 34, he responds to the shepherd's lack of obedience. And this is what he says in verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will make them seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. You see, God himself is declaring that he is the good shepherd. Jesus, the chief shepherd, Guess what? He will be the head of the church. We will look to him to shepherd the flock of the church. Any pastor that does not point people to the chief shepherd is no shepherd at all. As the text says in verse 12 of chapter 10 here, we read it. He is merely a hired hand. The New Testament speaks highly of these shepherds, these under shepherds, under the chief shepherd, who have the responsibility of caring for God's church and feeding God's people the word of God. First Peter 5, 1 says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain." But eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is what God has intended for us to do, is look to the chief shepherd as the one who we look to. But he's also given us under shepherds, pastors to lead God's people. And God uses this analogy throughout the scriptures, the sheep and the shepherd for his people. Christ. People leading others. And for some reason, 
we must understand this principle. I don't know if there's anybody out here that, that is going to go feed their sheep this afternoon. Probably not. But in the old, middle of Oklahoma, there might be. But probably not. If you ask, you probably don't know a whole lot about the sheep in the shepherd analogy. So let's explain it a, a little bit further. God uses the analogy of sheep because sheep are utterly helpless. They have no defense system. They don't have a hide like a rhino does. They don't have quills like a porcupine. They don't have the speed like a gazelle. They don't have the spray of a skunk. They have nothing. They literally can do one thing. They can cry out real loud, bah, right? You, you know what that is. A little response, it's a little laughter. Okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You can laugh. Thank you. Somebody laugh. They are helpless without a shepherd. The sheep are helpless. Guess what? We are helpless without placing the armor of Christ on, without allowing Christ to shepherd us. We are defenseless against the schemes of the world. That world will swallow us up. They have no defense system. Number two, sheep also follow the leader. They play follow the leader. Like sheep, human beings have a tendency to follow and sometimes be gullible to leaders who present themselves in a charismatic or new shiny way. We can see this when I talk to my five-year-old and he says, well, daddy, everybody else is doing it. Or my sister told me to do it. Well, this guy on Twitter said it. It must be true. No, 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 wait, my son doesn't say that. He's not on Twitter, FYI, just, just to clarify. I'm talking about uh, the next generation. That would not be good shepherding in the home, right? But really, literally, who are you playing follow the leader with? Is it a new Instagram star? Is it a movie, movie star? Is it an athlete? Who shapes your mindset for your life? Who do you follow? So sheep like to play follow the leader. They have no defense system. They like to play follow the leader. And guess what? Sheep are also prone to wander. They must have the care of a shepherd. And yet sometimes in their life, they see greener pastures. They wander from the shepherd, failing to notice the flock has moved in a different direction. Guess what? Jesus is... It's the one who leaves the 99 to go after the one. Praise God for that. Because he cares for us. And guess what? Sometimes the good shepherd disciplines his sheep when they wander off. Because he knows what's best for them. Hebrews 12, 6 says this, tell the Lord... It tells us this, the Lord disciplines those that he loves. I heard an analogy the other day, J.D. Greer gave this analogy, but he said in the days, the shepherd, um, back in biblical times, the days the shepherd was wandering off. If he kept wandering over and over again, the shepherd would break the leg of the sheep. Now, he would not do it as an act of cruelty, but he would do it in the act of love. He would break the leg 
of the sheep and he would drape the sheep around his neck and he would literally carry the sheep until his, his, his leg healed. And so for the next couple of months, the sheep would, would, would hear his voice and, and literally the shepherd would feed him And he he would learn to trust the good shepherd. He would learn that that all that he really needed in his life was right there at the good shepherd's side. And so sometimes when we think about these trials and these difficulties and these problems in this world, we need to realize that God is actually drawing himself to us. He's drawing us to himself. That we're reminded that He is all that we need. And when we get through that trial, we stand by the Good Shepherd because we've experienced His goodness in the trial. Verse 14, we're moving on. Don't have much time here. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is our second point this morning. Christ lays down his life for the church. For his church. Christ lays down his life for his church. This is the gospel that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God himself would love his creation so much that he would take on flesh, that he would make his dwelling among man. Jesus, the chief shepherd, would become the lamb of God that was slain for us. We were talking this week in, in um, with some of our, our team and some of our leaders, and we, we're thinking about the love that Christ has for us and comparing it to the love of a parent with a child, a parent willing to step in front of and take a bullet or to, to, to lay down their life for their child. They love them that much, and yet this is not really what we're talking about here because the reality is that God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, it tells us, for one will scarcely die for a riceless person, though perhaps a good person, one would dare to even die. But God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in verse 10, it says, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So we can relate this to a, to a father and who loves his son to lay down our mother, who loves his daughter enough to lay down their life for them. But the reality is, is Christ laid down his life for his enemy. Christ laid down his life for someone who was acting in rebellion against God. That's the love that we're talking about. 
Oh, the grace of God, the beauty of our salvation, that God would love us that much, even in the midst of our rebellion and sin, He would lay down His life. David, David was a shepherd. King David. It wasn't the best job. They had to pull him in when, they, when Samuel was bringing him before, trying to figure out who the king is, who God is anointing as king. And he's the one out in the fielding the sheep. He's the shepherd. He's the lowest on the totem pole. He's, he's the nobody. And David says to Saul as he's about to go before Goliath, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. That's a man's man right there. If he catches a a lion by its beard and strikes him and kills him, that's what I'm talking about. There's a song that young people like to listen to. You may have heard it. It's called Reckless Love. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99, and I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That is God chasing after us in the lion's mouth and ripping us out and saying, no, this is my sheep. I love him. I will lay down my life for him. Why? Because in love, God knows who his flock is. He knows them and they know him. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. This is our third point this morning. The church follows Christ because they know him. At the end of this section, I'm not going to read it, but there's division among the Jews. Many of them are saying he has a demon. He's insane. Why is he? What's why listen to him? Others said these are not words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They're, they're discussing amongst themselves if Jesus is actually the Messiah, if Jesus is actually God or not, or if he's crazy. But guess what? There is no middle ground. There are those that believe in Christ and there are those that do, do not. John writes this whole book, the Gospel of John, And he writes it so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why we're going over these I am statements. Because understanding who the great shepherd is should allow our hearts to warm to this great shepherd who gave his life for us, that we desire and want to follow him. In chapter 10, at the beginning of this statement, verse 2, it says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I'm going to close with this. There are a lot of voices going on in our world today. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Are you listening to the voice of truth? Are you listening to the good shepherd who calls you? 
Because guess what? When you're not listening to the good shepherd, the voice of truth, guess what happens? We live in fear. We're wandering around looking for rest. We feel alone. We live in a constant state of confusion, not knowing where to go. And guess what? The good shepherd waits for us at the gate. He says, come and find rest for your souls. I lay my life down for you. I know my sheep and my sheep love me. When they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am right there. So Christ is telling us this morning, come and let me shepherd you. So if you're saying this morning, as Kyle's going to come, I'm going to pray here in a minute. If you're saying this morning, I need Christ to shepherd my soul. I need to repent of my own way and follow Jesus. The altar is open for you. There are people to pray with you this morning. If you need to just go before the Lord and say, I need Christ to shepherd me. I've wandered from him. I need him to lead me. He is all that I need.